Deathstroke movie may still be in the works. FX orders a pilot for Why the Last Man. And all types of news from C2E2. This and more on the latest episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. Welcome everybody to the DC Comics News Podcast. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. We've got all kinds of news in the world of DC movies, television, comic books, all kinds of stuff. We're just waiting for you and I'm excited to share it with you. So we're just going to jump right in. Our first story today, Joe Manganiello says the Deathstroke movie may still be in the works. Last October, we learned that a Deathstroke movie was in development from the Raid director, Gareth Evans. However, that was before Justice League underperformed at the box office and major changes were made at Warner Brothers and DC Films. Now, Variety caught up with Deathstroke actor Joe Manganiello at the Rampage premiere and asked for an update on the movie. He said, There are things in the works. That's all I can say. Manganiello made his first appearance as Deathstroke in a post credit scene in Justice League and was supposed to star in The Batman when Ben Affleck was writing and directing it. But once Affleck stepped down from the director's chair and Matt Reeves stepped in, Matt Reeves decided to take the movie into a different direction. Now, me personally, I love the character of Deathstroke. And Joe Manganiello is the absolute perfect fit for this character. When it comes to his look... When it comes to his, you know his size, everything, I think that he is the perfect. You know, he's a great actor, so I think that him as Deathstroke, in, in more than just what we saw in that post-credit scene, is, is something that needs to happen. And if they really do have this film still in the works in some stage, whether it's be, whether it's you know they're having a script be written or you know something like that they're working on concept art you know anything like that as long as they keep going with it keep him in the DCU keep him as Deathstroke put him somewhere I don't care he needs to stay in this world and I really hope that they can get the Batman film off the ground and then maybe in the next one he can come in or even have him be the villain in a Teen Titans movie, you know, with Cyborg and bring in Nightwing and all those types of characters. I think something with his character really needs to happen. Another story in the DCEU, Wonder Woman 2 will have select scenes shot in IMAX. Now, this is not the first time that a comic book film has done this. When since Christopher Nolan actually shot large chunks of The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. And the upcoming uh, Avengers Infinity War will be the first movie to be shot entirely with IMAX cameras, which I think is actually pretty intriguing, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see what the, you know, how that turns out. Now, while Wonder Woman was released in IMAX 3D format, it was not filmed in IMAX, which is a, is a big distinction. More often than not, studios will simply just stretch their films into that big 70mm IMAX format rather than filming it with IMAX cameras because it's cheaper. And we know that the big studios like to save money. Sometimes it doesn't look like they do when they're just throwing it around. But 
you know, when it comes down to it, business is business. Now, doing this, you know, converting it to IMAX does affect the quality of the picture and the sound. So I'm excited to see Wonder Woman 2 actually utilizing these IMAX cameras for some of these, what I'm assuming will be the more grand epic scenes that require more depth, more detail, and things like that for the shot. So I'm excited to see how Patty Jenkins does with these IMAX cameras. Uh, she will be bringing, obviously, bringing back Gal Gadot as the Amazon Warrior and has cast Kristen Wiig to play the antagonist Cheetah. Uh, also cast is Game of Thrones actor Pedro Pascal, which we talked about on last week's episode, in an undisclo- undisclosed role, which I'm really hoping turns out to be the male Cheetah. I think that'd be awesome. Though I wouldn't be totally disappointed if it's Vandal Savage, so we'll kind of see where it, where it goes from there. Wonder Woman 2 is set to hit theaters on November 1st, 2019, and I know I will be there opening night, as I'm sure most of you will as well. The next story in our movie news section is that the Flash movie may no longer be titled Flashpoint. There have been lots of problems surrounding this film ever since it was first announced. It was originally supposed to come out early this year, and it has lost multiple directors throughout the last last few years. And finally, they've got their directors set, and last summer at San Diego Comic-Con, they announced that the movie was going to be titled Flashpoint, which presumably would mean that it was going to be adapting the storyline from 2011. THR is reporting that Dan Mazow, writer of the upcoming film Armada, had worked on the Flash movie, quote-unquote, when it was still titled Flashpoint, which is making the assumption now that it's no longer titled Flashpoint. Now, what does that mean? Well, Boris Kitt, who wrote the article, stated on Twitter that all he noted was that the film was no longer titled Flashpoint, but that it, do- but that it doesn't mean that the film won't use the Flashpoint storyline. So I think that what they're doing is they want to get away from the title Flashpoint because they've been having so many issues and everything. What I personally believe is that DC and Warner Brothers want to distance themselves from anything that the audience feels will essentially spoil what the movie is going to be. And they don't, I, don't, I think that they don't want to lock themselves in to a storyline as well. So, you know, by calling it Flashpoint, you're almost giving away what's happening with it. And with that comes all of the speculation. Oh, well, is this how they're going to reboot the, the franchise? Is this where Ben Affleck's going to leave the franchise? All this other stuff. Now, with them taking the, the title away, hopefully they'll either come out with a new title or something soon. Hopefully they just go a whole new way with it and not do the Flashpoint storyline. The Flashpoint storyline is something that should be done, I mean, like their 10-year mark, maybe something like that. Like what Marvel's doing, right now they've been building up, building up, building up, and now they're doing Infinity War with Thanos finally coming to get the stones, you know, with the gauntlet and everything like that. The Flashpoint is one of those types of stories where you need to build to it. You know, you need to see all this other stuff happen and then, so that when Flashpoint takes place, you care about it you are invested in everything that's been going on over the last decade or however long that the franchise had been running 
So what I'm hoping that they do, they what they need to do is just give Ezra Miller's Barry Allen his own story, his own standalone film. If they want to have, you know, like if Batman or Wonder Woman or Cyborg, if, they, if, if one or two of them want to pop up in the film, that's fine, you know, as long as it's not like, you know, as long as it's not like Captain America's Civil War where it's essentially an Avengers movie, let's give Flash his standalone film. If some of the other members of the Justice League make cameo appearances, that's fine. And that can explain away the rumors that both Wonder Woman and Batman are slated to appear in the film, which is you know, where a lot of the talk with the title Flashpoint and how, why people were convinced that that was what it was going to be. I hope that they go a different direction with it. You know, throw it into reverse and just and just change gears from what they've been doing because it just it really it just has not been working for them for the last Wonder Woman is the one film that worked for them. And it's because they did something different. They need to switch gears and just go a new way and hopefully James Wan managed to do this with Aquaman and we'll see that later this year. Next up, we have TV news, and there's some interesting stories this week in the TV news. But first, we're going to start off with a CW renews almost all of their DC-related properties. CW announced that they were renewing Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and Black Lightning for new seasons for the 2018-2019 season. CW uh, is actually expanding to a six-night Sunday through Friday schedule next season, similar to what ABC does right now. So that'll be interesting. It gives them an extra day to slot shows. They can bring in new stuff. Sometimes, like, I love all these shows, but sometimes it feels like CW is the DC channel. So having an extra day where they can kind of spread out their shows and and put new stuff that's not DC-related in might help to, to bring in the non-DC crowd into other places and maybe even bring them into these shows as well. Uh, the only show that has yet to be renewed is iZombie, based on the Vertigo property. But CW went on to say that their decision about that show should be expected sometime in May. So it's not like they're just throwing it to the side and, and, and not going to make a decision on it. iZombie is one of those shows that they've always taken their time on when deciding whether or not to renew it. I don't know if the ratings just aren't as good. It is a weird show, but I absolutely love it. It's hilarious. It's got some great stuff. And Rose McIver is is just fantastic at playing all these different type of characters. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not watching iZombie, I highly recommend checking it out. Next up, FX has ordered a pilot for Brian K. Vaughn's graphic novel, Why the Last Man. Nearly a year and a half after word first broke that FX was developing this series, they finally put in an order for the pilot. And I think this is fantastic. FX, I think, is a perfect place for it. They're, they're able to stretch the boundaries and do some things that most networks wouldn't do. So I think it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this. The Brian K. Vaughn graphic novel has been around for quite a, quite a while. Um, there was even a feature film adita- adaptation in the works back in 2009. Uh, this film adaptation gained uh, new life in 2012 when 10 Cloverfield Lane director Dan Trachtenberg was attached, but it just kind of 
sat there and floated around in development hell for so long that the rights eventually went back to Vaughn and uh, co-creator Pia Guerrera. The TV show adaptation, however, will simply be titled Why, and it will take place in a world where all men but one are dead. The last man must then traverse a world of women exploring gender, race, class, and survival. Sounds fantastic. I think this will be one of those shows that will provide a deep character study. Stuff that we don't see very often, and I'm really excited to see what FX does with it. Filmmaker Melina Matsokas, whose credits include the HBO series Insecure, the Thanksgiving episode of Master of None, and Beyonce's Formation video, is on board to direct the pilot. So, you know, I don't, I've never seen the HBO series Insecure. I've never watched Master of None. And to be honest, I've never watched Beyonce's Formation video, so I don't know this person's work. However, they're just on for the pilot. And if I'm being frank, most pilots aren't all that great. That's why I've always had a rule that if I'm starting a new show, I give it three episodes. If it can't hook me inside of three episodes, then I I drop the show. So I'll definitely be checking out the first three episodes of why on FX. And I'm pretty confident the, the subject of the material is is great. So I think, you know, with them using Brian K. Vaughn's material as the basis for this show, I, I, I have no doubt that it'll turn out to be something enjoyable to watch. So definitely look out for that when it, when it comes out. Next up is Cameron Monaghan may still be the Joker, just not as Jerome. Yes, f- fans, you heard that right. Cameron Monaghan, who plays Jerome Valeska on Gotham, has it's it's been said for quite a long time that he is not the Joker. He's not Joker. Even though they've made it look like he's the Joker, every chance they get, they they say he's not, but every time he's on it, it's like, well, how how is he not the Joker? Look at him. Look at everything that he's done. This is the Joker. Now it looks like they may be throwing a little twist in there for us. Now, the, the stuff that I'm about to talk about is a bit of a spoiler for Gotham. So if you haven't caught up, then skip ahead a little bit, okay? So you've been warned. Spoilers. In the recent episode of Gotham titled Mandatory Brunch Meeting, we find out that Jerome has a twin brother named Jeremiah who is hidden away for his own safety. Jerome exposes his brother to a new version of Scarecrow's toxin, which is essentially, the way that it reacts, it's essentially an early version of, of the Joker's laughing gas, which I think is pretty cool. It seems that Jeremiah's exposure to this gas will cause him to go mad, possibly bringing out his inner Jerome or causing him to mimic his brother. Either way, this seems like Gotham's way of having its cake and eating it too. Jerome won't, in fact, be the Joker, but Cameron Monaghan may still get to play the clown prince of crime as Jeremiah on Gotham. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm really intrigued by uh, where they're going to go with this. And, and I, I think it could be an interesting way to not have Jerome be the Joker, but still have Cameron play that character because he does such a great job at it. And if Jeremiah, if, if, the, if the laughing gas causes Jeremiah 
to go mad and essentially become his brother, you know, take on those personality traits that he was trying to be hidden away from in the first place. I think it'll be a really interesting way to essentially redo the Joker. And, And I love Gotham. Gotham's one of my favorites, one of my favorite DC shows out right now. So I definitely am pumped to see where they go with this. And Uh, I'd like to know what you guys think about it. Let me know what you think about uh, him being Jeremiah, if you think Jeremiah will be the Joker, or if if you're excited for any of this. Let me know. Next up, TV's Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, finally receives a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That's right. The Amazon warrior from the 70s CBS TV series, who also plays the president on Supergirl, has officially gotten her star on the Walk of Fame. It has been a long time coming, and it's much deserved. Linda Carter is an icon in the world of DC, is an icon in the world of film and television, and getting this star just solidifies that for her career. Uh, The star was unveiled at a ceremony on Tuesday in LA, and to, to get this star shows how much the industry respects you, and for someone like her who's been in this industry for 50 years, it's it, the fact that it took so long, it's kind of mind-boggling to me sometimes, you know, how they go about this process and you know, to giving these stars and, and everything. But I'm really glad that she was finally able to get one. And at, at the ceremony, she was surrounded by friends and family, including Wonder Woman director Patty Jenkins, who she hugged and who congratulated her, which I think is really awesome. Uh, On Twitter, Gal Gadot went on and congratulated her as well. So, you know, congratulations, Linda Carter. You deserve this. And I hope to see more of you. And hopefully we'll get to see you in Wonder Woman 2. Last up in the TV news, this is a, a story that broke earlier today. Colton Haynes, who plays Roy Harper on Arrow, is set to rejoin the series as a series regular in Season 7. Now, Roy came into the show in the beginning of Season 1 and joined Arrow as a series regular in Season 2, but then he left the show for personal reasons in Season 3. His departure was left open-ended enough so that he could come back. He and he's, he's had recurring appearances a few times, including just recently in, in Season 6. And the question that I have is, what does this mean for Thea? Now, last week we talked about Will, how Willa Holland has exited Arrow. And she's no longer going to be on the show. And we got that closure when Thea and Roy and Nyssa all went off to track down the three Lazarus pits. But if Roy will be coming back to the show, he stated he wants to be with Thea. That's why he went with them. Because wherever she goes, he wants to go. So what does this mean for for the character? Are they going to kill off Thea Queen? And that's the reason that he comes back? I don't know. I don't want that to happen, but I also don't want it to be just left open. I don't want it to be like, Oh, I decided I didn't want to be with her anymore. You know, I don't I don't want something like that to happen. I would almost rather Thea be killed off if Will is not gonna come back to the show at all. So if Roy's gonna be coming back, I kinda hope that's the way they do it. I hope they wrap it in, in a in a way that makes sense and is satisfying. But as far as Colton Haynes returning to the show, 
I think this is awesome. I loved him on the show. He's a great actor, and anytime he's come back, I've really enjoyed those episodes. And I think with Oliver kind of ostracizing all the other members of his team, you have Team Canary, who's who, who broke away, Wild Dog, Black Canary, Mr. Terrific. They all broke away from him. And now, you know, a little bit of a spoiler for you know the recent episode of Arrow. So if you don't want the spoilers, skip ahead a little bit. Uh, the recent episode of Arrow, Diggle left the team as well. And so it's like, is Roy going to join Oliver? Become Arsenal again? You know, how is this going to work? If he's going to be a series regular, obviously he's going to be there on a regular basis. Which means you got to have more than just some talking going on. With a character like him, he's not going to be a Felicity. He's not going to be in the Arrow Cave, or as I like to call it, the Quiver. That's what they should be calling it. <laughs> but he's not going to be like someone who's just sitting in the back. He's going to be out there suiting up, taking action. I hope that he becomes Arsenal again, puts on the Red Hood again, but we'll see. I'm excited to see him back, but it does, like I said, it leaves open some questions about the future of Thea Queen and, and where they're going to take that character, what they're going to do with that character. So hopefully they'll explain that in a, in a good way. Now we're going to move on to our comic book news. This weekend saw C2E2, the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, which is Chicago's biggest pop culture event of the year. And there was some interesting news stories in the world of DC that came out during this event. Uh, The one I'm going to start with is DC Nation number zero hits one million copies in pre-sales, while Action Comics number 1000 hits 500,000 copies. DC co-publisher Dan DiDio revealed that the that the DC Nation number zero anthology one shot had now sold over one million copies in pre-sales, the highest selling single issue since he's been at the company. This issue will be available for twenty-five cents starting on May second, and will be available during Free Comic Book Day as well. It will feature writers like Brian Michael Bendis, Joshua Williamson, James T. Tinney in the fourth, and Scott Snyder, with artists like. Jorge Jimenez, and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. It includes three stories which will set the stage for the future arcs of Batman, Superman, and the Justice League. And so I'm definitely going to be picking up a a copy of this, maybe a couple of copies of this. Uh, I definitely think everybody out there should just, it's it's 25 cents. Grab a quarter and go pick it up at your comic shop. I think it's worth it. You can check out what they're going to be doing in this new DC world that they're going to be launching here with, uh, you know, Bendis taking over for Superman and stuff like that. So I'm definitely interested. So check it out. And also don't forget to check out Action Comics number 1000, which hits stands on April 18th. It has hit currently over half a million copies of in pre-sales. That is fantastic. And it will feature the launch of Brian Michael Bendis' run on Superman, along with a slew of other Superman stories from top-tier talent, writers, artists, everybody. I think this, I've already got mine uh, pre-ordered, so I'm, I'm super excited. I hope the rest of you have too. Check it out. It's going to be fantastic. If anything, it's, it's, just, it's a milestone that you just need to have. You need to experience this. You don't want to be someone who's left out being like, oh, I never got a chance to check out Action Comics 1000, this big, giant milestone. Just check it out. Even if you don't follow 
Action Comics, just get the issue and check it out. Now, some other news uh, from C2E2 we got was Joelle Jones is set to headline a new Catwoman series, which will spin directly out of Batman number 50, and we'll see Selina Kyle take on a copycat and a currently unnamed villain. Uh, her Joelle's Catwoman will also be joining the DC CoverGirls line of premier collectible statues, which is pretty interesting. Catwoman number one will hit shelves on July 4th, with the statue being available this November. Now, Catwoman is one of my favorite, I don't know if you want to call her a villain, an anti-hero, what, what you want to call her. She's kind of bounced back and forth over the years. But she's one of my favorite DC characters. Uh, she tells you like it is. She's kick-ass. She's gorgeous. She, she's got everything that you know a strong, independent woman can look up to. But she can't always be trusted, you know? And sometimes that makes for interesting stories. And her relationship with Bruce Wayne is one of those things that's like, it doesn't seem like it should work, but it totally does. And I'm super pumped for the wedding issue, which is Batman 50. I'm super excited for that. And to see where they go with Batman having a wife, you know, having that tie. That's one of those things that he, you know, he, he's always had, you know, lots of women, but having a wife is something totally different and I think it will change the way Batman is as a as a character, hopefully for the better. One other thing that I I just kind of wanted to throw out there that I thought was an interesting little piece of tidbit from C2E2 is that there's apparently a fan running around cosplaying as Wonder Woman uh, director Patty Jenkins. Had uh, the wig, the glasses, the clapboard, everything. The, look up the pictures online. It's really, really cool to see someone like Patty Jenkins who you know, made this incredible f- groundbreaking film who has empowered women to, to just stand up for themselves and believe that they can be powerful. And to see someone cosplay as a film director like that, I think is, is really awesome. Patty Jenkins took notice of it and she, she said she loved it. And I think that's awesome to see that type of, of love being shared between fans and filmmakers. So bravo to, to the fan who cosplayed as Patty Jenkins. I think that was fantastic. All right, that wraps it up for the news this week. I'm going to leave you off with a review of Nightwing number 42 by DC Comics News and Dark Knight News writer Steve J. Ray. Take it away, Steve. Hello, DC Comics News fans. My name's Steve J. Ray. I'm going to be reviewing the latest issue of Nightwing. Written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, with art by Jorge Corona and Matt Lopez. It's called, Let Me Tell You a Story. Damien Wayne, Robin, has been kidnapped. Out on a mission of discovery, the new boy wonder is captured by the dragon brotherhood known as the Crimson Kabuki. This ruthless gang of ninjas is world-renowned for their deadly martial arts prowess. But they didn't count on one thing. Damien's big brother, Dick Grayson. Nightwing. Honestly, with this issue, I don't even know where to start. With a brilliant creative team of Sam Humphreys and Bernard Chang ending their excellent run on Nightwing with issue 41, 
and a new team of Benjamin, Percy and Christopher Mooneyhan not taking over full-time till issue 44, readers could be forgiven for feeling a little anxious. I will admit to having my own concerns about having two fill-in issues in a row, especially when I heard that they'd be two standalone stories. Sometimes I really worry for no reason, and she just shut up and get on with it. This issue is absolutely great, bordering on faultless. The book reads like a cross between a 70s kung fu flick, the 90s Streets of Rage video game, and a Tarantino movie. The opening page, with a suit and tie wearing Nightwing approaching the villain's lair, sets the tone for an action packed martial arts fight fest of fantastic proportions. The writing team of Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are clearly loving every minute as they take the whole ball of movie and comic book kung fu cliches and run with it, scoring a 20-page touchdown in the process. The crowd goes wild. It's an issue with pugilistic percussion, bullets bouncing, kick-ass action, laughs and thrills aplenty. This issue may well be a fill-in, but it's all killer and no filler. Not only is the script tight and great fun, but the team of artists Jorge Corona and colourist Matt Lopez deliver a cartoony, atmospheric treasure of a comic. Their style is different, fresh, and really left me wanting more. I mean, if you look at the images in this book, oh, just imagine a whole title full of them. Nice. The only fault I could find with the issue is that oh, I didn't want it to end. I would love for this team to give us two or three issues with Damien on his mission, his capture, the struggles, Batman and Nightwing's discovery of Robin's abduction, and a whole mini-series leading to this epic conclusion. If you want to give someone with a good imagination one comic to read that's just plain fun, with no threads, ties, or truckloads of continuity baggage, then give them a copy of Nightwing 42. Filling issues can... Sometimes be a gamble, but this is one that really paid off. Not only does next issue's creative team of writer Michael Moretti and artist Jorge Jimenez have a tough act to follow, so do the new home team. This issue, well, it was great. That was a great review, Steve. Thanks again. Now, as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you to everybody who listened to our first episode last week. We had a huge response, and I was very, very pleased. Um, if anybody out there has any questions or comments, you want to chat, email me at Joshua, J-O-S-H-U-A, at dccomicsnews.com. If you have some questions you want me to answer, I'll be more than happy to answer them on air. You know, If I get enough questions, I'll be totally glad to do that. So send them in my way. So again, that's Joshua at dccomicsnews.com and be, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr at DC Comics News and remember everybody read more comics